0: So um, I can't quite believe it's only been a handful of days since we last recorded because every week seems like, I mean, it's only literally tonight as we speak, United were meant to be playing that second leg of the game against LASK.
1: That's right. And that feels like that first leg feels like an absolute lifetime ago to me. It really does. Well, that's six briefings by the uh, Boris Johnson government since then. So it's been spectacular, folks. (laughs) So, um, how are you and the family bearing up, Ed? Are you all alright? Just about. Yeah, I've been amusing myself thinking of who'd be more incompetent at being a Prime Minister, Boris Johnson or Ed Woodward. I think I Weighing I think Ed Woodward, I think Ed Woodward would generally but genuinely
0: be a better Prime Minister than he is a CEO of a football club. I think his skills coronavirus brought to you by <laughs> Corona. Well, I mean, it just writes itself, doesn't it? Oh, but no, so, it's ge- so genuinely, if you, like, if you had to pick between, like, if you were in a hypothetical universe, right, where he can't really do any serious damage, don't you think that he would sort of be a better prime minister than he is a football CEO? I feel like his skill set would be a better match for that. Yeah, I don't have a lot of
1: evidence for that, but yeah, maybe. He seems maybe. sort of
0: personally quite likeable.
1: You have to make decisions, though. Yeah,
0: true. That is that's the true. Thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: Not just between which noodle partner to get. I mean, anyway, how how are you holding?
0: Yeah, up? great. Like real good. Looking after myself, doing the doing the daily meditation, drinking plenty of water, eating a good diet.
1: Um, generally, speaking, well, that's going to go when they have you locked down for twelve weeks.
0: I don't think it is. I, I think that that's uh that's not really going to be the biggest problem, uh, with that. So, yeah, just looking after myself and uh, and trying to help look after other people too, which is, I guess, the point of all of this, really.
1: Yeah, we started a food bank at our shop, except they're probably going to shut the shop down, aren't they? Still. Yeah, still, so you're going to try. It's the
0: thought that counts. It really is. Um, So, talking of trying to do a bit of service, we're we're, yes. we're not going anywhere. Still, two podcasts a week, which means we're going to watch two games a week and... By the end of this, United will be on such an unbelievable winning streak. So I was talking to my mum, and uh, she said, "Oh, did you watch? Did you watch the game you were going to watch?" I was like, "Yeah, United won," and she just, <laughs> she burst out laughing. It's very convenient
1: to only watch United being brilliant. So a little bit of news: they had some football news since we last recorded. The UEFA had their now infamous telephone call. Oh, I did. Was it kind of on Meetup? Right. Yep. Um, so it was of the the European Club Association, UEFA, all the nations, the professional footballers. Well, I think it was FIFA Pro. So all the various stakeholders, the leagues, right, uh, were involved in this to try and come to some kind of conclusion. There wasn't a lot of conclusion, other than Euro twenty twenty is postponed. How could it not be? Yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah, we knew that. If if that tournament wasn't a petri dish for infection around Europe, I don't know what is. Oh, yeah, because of Uh, all the travelling
0: and stuff. like Because of all the travelling, because it's
1: in 12 different countries or something like that. So it's going to happen in 2021. That has an impact on the Women's European Championships, which were supposed to happen in England next summer. I guess that will get bumped. And a whole bunch of other stuff, as we said. Uh, And then a sort of... uh, rather woolly commitment to finishing the season by June the 30th, which, unless you believe all the science everywhere on the planet is wrong, is just impossible. It's just not going to happen. Um, so I, we'll see I think about I that saw one.
0: something, because I've hardly, I've been deliberately, as a kind of mental health strategy, um, really trying to stick to consuming a very small amount of necessary information rather than like consuming all the relentless noise about it but I thought that right. I'd seen something today saying that actually yes. there was a lot of flexibility around that date and they're not going to try and keep that date somehow written in stone
1: yeah well look so the Premier League have gone taking this back in all the leagues and they've sort of made a commitment to try and finish the English season by June the 30th And at the same time, postponing the start of the English season till April the 30th at the latest, the resumption, sorry. Oh, yeah. These are both completely fanciful, uh, but they also left this open-ended sort of commitment to complete the season. So that was whenever that means. Whenever
0: it takes, whenever it happens. Yeah.
1: So they've sort of said this season is more important than next season. will just next season. Right. And of course, the season after that is just disrupted by the Qatar World Cup. They, um, ju- just, so we're gonna... they should skip a season. That's, that's what's going to end up happening. They probably should. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, effectively, they're going to have next season is, en- is going to end up being truncated yeah. significantly because it was supposed to be pushed back. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it's logistically impossible for all these things to be true at the same time. Then you look at the science, which looks like uh, peak is not until 12 weeks away in the UK, and the UK's running a few weeks behind the rest of Europe. So it just looks, um, and and they can't just resume European football, European competitions, Europa League, Champions League, without English clubs. Yeah. Um, So it looks some time away. Yeah. Um, Perhaps the back end of the summer is much more realistic, and then they could complete it by, uh, what, September, late September, maybe as a really optimistic scenario, three-week break into mid-October, late October, start the next season. Mm. But it's all dependent on on getting control and this is why I was making jokes about us being tw- on a 12-week lockdown which is pretty much what the rest of Europe seems to have gone to at the moment yeah um I mean so that's
0: once we're we know we're in the realm of speculation I mean we said last time obviously I mean this is not we, we're not being clever saying this everybody knew that that April date the first April date was just a thing that they said basically presumably there's some mechanistic reason that they're trying to give these dates as a possible thing, but none of them can believe that that's very likely by any stretch of the imagination,
1: I'm sure. Well, well, part of it is, I think, to do broadcasting contracts. So they have to complete the season to not take penalties and no one wants to take a penalty. Yeah. (laughs) So in the meantime, of course, uh, there's uh, significant disruption lower down the league. Premier League clubs can afford this, this break. No one wants it, but they can afford it. Lower league clubs definitely can't, and and so there's been a, a an eleven million pound sort of agreement with the uh, the football league, which has significant reserves, you know, tens of millions in reserve, right? Good. Um, to distribute money to make sure those clubs aren't going to the wall in the meantime. Good, that's good. I wanted to to
0: say just a couple of things. Um, uh, Marcus Rashford uh, is such a good kid, and he's just today announced a, his support for a, a massive and really important looking scheme um to help people with I, I believe if I understand it correctly, people that would normally rely on school meals um for nutrition to be helped and supported uh, with school right. being school being closed. Um and a, and a word for a legendary frenemy of the rank cast, Gary Neville. Um who? Oh, what's the rank cast? Um, uh, he was. Uh, well, the rank cast did used to exist. We don't deny that it used to exist. Um, so he was a friend of me of the rank cast and has continued to be a friend of me of the show. But if he carries on doing what he's doing, he's getting upgraded to official welcome anytime. Uh, well, of course, guest.
1: with all this going on, he's got what you wanted. Borders closed everywhere. Come on,
0: I don't think this is the day for that. Really, I don't think he deserves that today. I think um, the the act of extraordinary citizenship. So for those of you who don't know, I'm sure everybody knows that Gary Neville is involved um, as a hotelier in Manchester as part of their all the business arrangements that those boys are all into these days. He has two big hotels in Manchester. They're closed to the public for the duration of this. They're ensuring that their staff welfare is being taken care of. But most extraordinarily, they're, they're running the hotel as a free service for healthcare workers who need social isolation away from their family for the duration of this. And You know, uh, in corporate, in the corporate world, there's a lot of very easy PR wins. And so there's a lot of cynicism about why people do things. You just don't need to do this. This is an act of genuine citizenship and genuine pulling together. So, yeah, big shout out to Gina.
1: Of course, he just copied uh, Roman Abramovich, who's done the same thing in Chelsea. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a nice thing. That's, that's nice to hear. That's true. I think it's uh, worthwhile having a little more cynicism about Roman, whose uh, wealth was gained through not particularly good means. Yeah. Unlike Gary Neville, who gained his wealth by being the evil, <laughs> evil winner of trophies for <laughs> Manchester United. Because uh, we used to win trophies, you know this, Paul. Well,
0: we did. And we won a trophy. I guess, is there any other, is there any other United news... Pogba contract chat. We we touched on that very briefly last time. There's
1: been a there's been a fair amount of Pogba contract chat. Uh Willie won't he sign one, obviously being floated as a trial balloon by Raiola in the meantime. Yeah, who knows? I mean Seems like yeah. such a silly thing. There's definitely not gonna be a market for him this summer because there won't be a summer transfer window and and no one's spending money without knowing what the situation is in European football. Yeah, so so I, I guess it's, it doesn't
0: even bear talking about we were going to do a transfer special during the next international break. That is on hold. That is on indefinite, <laughs> like the Premier League. It's on indefinite yes. hold.
1: Um, yeah, a lot a lot of United, uh, he was on uh, Instagram uh, in a Blaze Matuidi shirt. Matweedy who tested positive for coronavirus. It was a Juventus shirt. Seems to trigger quite a lot of people that. I mean, get over yourself, people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bruno Fernandes also on Instagram, two-footing his two-year-old daughter <laughs> in his back garden. You, Outrageous. You,
0: you sent that picture of like him not letting her have a touch of the ball. Um, and then moments later, Ander Herrera posted a picture of him and his uh, daughter playing in their Paris apartment, and he let her score. I was like, you see, that's...
1: Uh, Probably it's a mentality you need folks yeah <laughs> not let not letting these two year olds win that's why Bruno's been such a good son <laughs>
0: um as I said I, I was really surprised he didn't take a shot from thirty yards, <laughs> and it's just like I think that's what he was garden have. was big enough, yeah, it really was it looked good um so yeah uh, we'll we'll keep doing these brief news bits at the beginning of the show when there's stuff to talk about, but the main event coming on after the break, we're gonna talk about a game which was a fascinating watch uh, in lots of ways um, and really a very specific moment in time. Uh, We're talking, of course, about Manchester United 7, Roma 1. So after the break, we'll be back to talk about that.
1: Enjoy no question about that. If so, let others know about us. The best way to do that is leave us a review and rating on iTunes and hit that subscribe button.
0: Uh, Yeah, so I thoroughly enjoyed watching one of the best United teams ever in one of the best performances any United team has ever put together, ever.
1: Yes, I mean, amazing that uh, United scored seven in a Champions League game, having lost the first leg as well. So context here, United going in 2-1 down from the game in uh, Rome the week before. And so it should have been a tight one. It should have been United fighting for a place in the semifinals. Yeah. And, and, and this is what, a year and a bit, it's, it takes place in April 2007, year and a bit before United would make the Champions League final and win against Chelsea and then obviously another two finals in the next three years after that. So we're just on the cusp of Fergie's last great team.
0: Yeah, this is the coming out party for that team in a lot of ways. And it it wasn't the best groundwork, because like you said, we lost uh, 2-1 away. I I meant to look it up. Someone got sent off in that game, but I don't know who it was, um, because we then lost in between the two legs, 2-1 at Fratton Park to Portsmouth, um, which was described at the time by the BBC as blowing the title race wide open. And Fergie saying that playing with ten men for a long time in Roma had taken a toll on the players at Fratton Park. It's interesting. The title race was sort of blown wide open, but then Chelsea didn't win a game after like the middle of April. They just drew every single game. And so even though our win our kind of run-in was not particularly brilliantly executed, we drew a few and lost a few. Uh they really blew their chance to to take advantage. and, and that was our first league title for three four years three, three years, years yeah and yeah. um, so i i thought like one of the things that surprised me about this game uh was the starting lineup so if you'd asked me to sort of guess off the top of my head the starting lineup i think i would have got one two three four five six definitely but i think there's a solid five in there that i may or may not have got right
1: Uh, Yeah, so Heinzer left back. I mean, this is before Everett pushed him out, I guess. Smith up front. John O'Shea at right back. Wes Brown starting alongside Rio at the back. Yeah. Any more surprises? Well, I
0: guess just no skulls, right? So it's Carrick and Fletcher and Giggs at number 10. It's very definitively a 4-2-3-1. So you've got Van der Sar, O'Shea, Ferdinand Brown, Heinzer, Carrick, Fletcher, then Giggs... Ronaldo on the right, Rooney on the left, Smith through the middle. And sacrificing Wayne Rooney on the left wing to play Alan Smith up front is a somewhat hilarious decision in hindsight. But, you know, Smith did well in this game and he, he worked very hard. Other, other things about the, the kind of pre-match stuff. Um, we got a message on Instagram when we said we were doing this game. Someone messaged to say, oh, careful, lads. I heard there's a bit of trouble outside the ground. Take care of yourselves going in. And of course there was, there were, there was some fairly, I mean, for 2007, some very serious fighting, 15, uh, 12 English fans and four Italian fans were charged afterwards for possession of a blade, uh, public, uh, public order offences, a variety of charges were brought. So quite serious for 2007.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess the, uh, the firm flickered into life once more just to... Sticky to those eye ties, but or something I think there, like that. there's
0: definitely a sort of like tit for tat thing, isn't there? Because I think there was some trouble in Rome as well, or yeah, Um maybe even with Lazio. If I don't know. I have some memory of
1: some some story or other at the time. So what was you? The, the con? I mean, I think that the the real context here, the the interesting context is. Cheers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. now now you've finished talking again. This was at the back end of United not being good for really quite some time and frustration boiling with uh, how long it was taking to build a new team. The Glazers coming in, Ferguson's support for the Glazers, quite vocal support. Price rises, so we're two years into the great Glazer regime here. They'd really jacked up the prices. First time that had really happened since, say, the early 90s, which it really happened as well. A lot of unrest. United do win this league title, but it's not obvious at this stage that it's definitely going to happen. So we've got a better United team. But this is also a United team or a United squad that has Dong and Cusack and Kieran Richardson. And a whole bunch of players that really weren't going to figure much for United much longer. Mm. Well, even um, even this game, as well as obviously Rooney and and Ronaldo being the, the kind of real spearhead of this team.
0: Yeah, I mean, even this Alan Smith playing up front. Right, we, <coughs> we don't associate Alan Smith as being part of a great Alex Ferguson Manchester United. In fact, he's very much part of the sort of down era. Um, not that I mean, I, you know, he was a fine player in his own way. Um, But yeah, you're absolutely right. This is... I mean, I remember being absolutely shocked when this happened. Like, it was... It came out of nowhere. I mean, obviously Ronaldo was having a really good season. I think Rooney and Ronaldo both get something about 25, 26 goals this season. I believe they might have scored the exact same number of goals, actually, because then the following season is the one where Ronaldo goes to a a whole other stratosphere. Um so we know there's talent in the team, but but Roma were pretty good. And actually, Roma's big problem, obviously, in this game was they just defended atrociously, really, really bad defending. But like going forward, they're a proper team, aren't they? There's they've got some some real players, and they they really look like a unit going forward. Um, Spalletti said after the game, like it was weird because we were definitely the best side in the first ten
1: minutes, and they were. Yeah, and look, they they took the game to United, they came out and attacked and it was their downfall for much of this game, so Roma continued attacking, United continued breaking and it looks like Roma just were not set up to protect themselves in the transition at all. So United just kept opening them up and... I. No idea what the xG was on this but I'm going to say it's a lot less than the number of goals that United scored so they just seemed to score with every single shot that was taken.
0: Yeah, I was I was playing the guess the xG game and then seeing if I could find it anywhere if any nerd had gone back and nerded it up. Um, but I was I uh, was calling other people a nerd when I was playing guess the xG and I reckon United would have had at least 3.5 um because they got they've got some really big chances and among there is a, a couple of tap-ins. Um, but a lot of the goals are, are like screamers. I mean, I have to say, arguably, as is often the case with these games, the Roma goal might just be the best goal of the game. That is
1: one heck of a ping. Yeah. Well, let's get through some of the goals, shall we? I, I guess we don't let's need to let's go minute it. by minute, but uh, let's let's talk about the goals and the opening goal by Michael Carrick. The assist from Cristiano, and I, just kind of a. I mean, you've all seen it, right? A weird scooped shot looks like the ball's not in the right place when he hits it and he's, he's hit it with a sand wedge. But it's, uh, it's, it's gone into the top corner. It's like a perfectly weighted through ball from
0: Cristiano Ronaldo <coughs> to Michael Carrick who hits an amazing long-range side foot. That should be the other way around. It should be a silky through ball from Michael Carrick to Ronaldo who hits a weird knuckle ball with the side of his foot. This game is responsible
1: for 50% of Michael Carrick's Champions League goals. (laughs) Yeah, a couple of bangers at that. I think that was United's first shot. I wasn't actually, like, noting down whether it was or not, but I think it was, if not one of the first shots. 20 minutes in. Oh, no, 12 minutes in, sorry.
0: Pizarro and Totti had both taken, like, absolute mad long-range shots from miles and miles and miles out. It almost looked like it was a plan that They'd maybe identified. I don't think I don't perceive Vandasar as being weak on shot stopping or anything. Um, but they they kept shooting. Maybe they maybe Totti and Pizarro just really liked shooting from miles away. Well,
1: that's right. Um, look, and then look, this we didn't really talk about how many talented players there are on this Roma side Panucci, full Italian international, obviously, obviously, Mexes, French international, Chivu, Romanian. Vucinic, very talented midfielder. Totti and De Rossi, two Italian legends. I mean, it's a lot of talent in this side. Maybe went to the head a bit.
0: Yeah, Kivu, um, absolute championship manager legend. Kivu it was always ab- unbelievable. But he was playing with a face mask and genuinely looked like he shouldn't be playing, given some of the mistakes he made. Um, that Carrick goal, and and especially the second one, does make it very confusing that Michael Carrick scored. Quite so few goals in his career. I mean, I said it's fifty percent of his Champions League goals. It's something like eight or nine percent of his United goals. Like he just did not score. He scored twenty six
1: goals in all competitions. I think maybe twenty eight. Had the talent, but it was always there to protect. Yeah, so he yeah. just didn't get into the right positions often enough. I mean, the se- the second goal was a lovely piece of football, isn't it? Heinze, Giggs, Smith, all one touch. Football, Rooney... So Rooney, it Rooney? Rooney lays Rooney? it off to Carrick, who hits
0: this beautiful first-time ball on the rise to Heinzer, um, and then Heinzer knocks it into Giggs, and that's when Giggs just like puts it near Kivu, who jumps out of the way um, for Alan Smith to, to score and go absolutely ballistically crazy. And it was only reading the post-match r- reports that I realised why... And it was because it was his first goal since the leg break.
1: Right, right. One of the weirder leg breaks in football. Uh, Yeah, horrible. Um, And talking that horrible, just blocking a shot. But um, yeah, no, it was great for him. Smith, always a talented player, didn't quite fulfil that talent at United. Was only really ever a squad player. Um, I think I at one stage on the old United rant site wrote a piece how he could be the successor to Mark Hughes. He was never quite that, was he?
0: No. Uh, and then ended up, they Fergie tried to make him the successor to Roy Keane, which he was definitely never going to be. Uh, at one point in the goal celebration, uh, I think Darren Fletcher makes a bad prediction and predicts that Alan Smith's going to do a knee slide. Because you don't often see the goal scorer running to the corner flag and other players doing a knee slide behind him when the goal scorer hasn't done a knee slide. So I think Fletcher's got his his body language wrong there and then he ends up kind of making up for it by bundling Smith to the ground. The One thing that I noticed about just those first kind of 25 minutes is even though that's only... So that game is a lot closer to the last game we covered time-wise than it is to today. It was eight years after that game and 13 years to now. But the football looks much more immediately recognisable as modern 21st century football, like... Some of the big
1: changes have happened by that point. Yeah, I think so. I mean, United not playing with a 4-4-2, not playing with a strict 3-2-3-1... That's oh, a really.
0: four-two-three-one. It is. It is. It's, it's pretty strict. Sort that. of.
1: It is sort of. Yeah. I. I don't know. I mean, Rooney is close to Smith a lot of the time, um, even if he's coming off the left. So, um, mm. anyway, anyway, it's irrelevant. <laughs> um, exactly. But um, one of the things I'd say about that is, it is a European game. So I, I don't know whether I want to read too much into the changes. I mean, stylistically, it's completely different from the Arsenal game we talked about on Sunday. Obviously, yeah. just just night and day. But the kind of cup against a major rival, teams that know each other really well, adds a little bit to it. But this game is certainly more sophisticated in uh, and the clash of styles is kind of prominent. In fact, United... United playing on the break a lot of the time in the first 45. Mm-hmm. In the second 45, they're completely comfortable and they retain the ball a lot. Um, yeah. like, it'd be interesting to see the possession splits as well because I, I don't know whether United wouldn't have had less of the ball in the first half despite being 4-0 up uh, by half-time. And, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a bunch of things that play into it, but it does feel like modern football. Not that 1990s is not modern.
0: Relative. No, but I, but watching but watching '99 did not feel like watching <coughs> modern football to me. It felt like watching. It felt like a bygone era in the way that this game didn't. I have to say though, um, if you swapped the entire '99 team's haircuts into a 21st century team now, they'd look fine. If you swapped the 2007 team's haircuts to today, they'd look absolutely ridiculous. Which is the law of 20 years, right? 10 years ago looks ridiculous, 20 years ago looks cool. That's been the, t- the case throughout human history. What is
1: old becomes new again and all of that. Which means that
0: in 10 years' time, that Michael Carrick hairdo, with the sides all down and a little bit long at the back and a little bit on top, is going to be fashionable again and that's not OK.
1: Well, one day your haircut will become fashionable again. I'm not sure when, but one day you, you can live in hope. <laughs> what? You keep doing this. Like, what's not the ball cut though? That'll never be fashionable. Anyway, Cristiano scores the no, no. It's Rooney scores the third. Rooney scores the third. (laughs) I've lost the runner myself. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, deservedly so. Gigs popping up on the right wing. Don't get it back. Ronaldo finds gigs. Gigs slides it in. Rooney with a. Pretty easy finish but dinks it past the keeper from what six seven yards out something like that.
0: Yeah so um, it's that's the one where it comes in from the right right Giggs cut Giggs fires it in from the right but again it goes through Christian Kivu who I don't know concussion testing was missing or something but Rooney's finish is gorgeous isn't it because it comes to him from the right and he deftly flicks it right into the left hand corner away from the keeper and and you can easily overhit that, can't you? Overcorrect the direction on the ball. He gets the weight of the finish really perfect. Um, by this point, uh, Ronaldo. Oh yeah, and right at the beginning of that move, Ronaldo beats someone, doesn't he? And then he's about to lose the ball, but he stabs it through, um, to uh, to Smith, I think. And then Smith holds it up, knocks it out to Giggs. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo in two thousand and seven was
1: absolutely terrifying oh he's he's good, constantly getting the ball and running just running 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 at players and he he plays off the right the whole of this game but he's he's always dangerous cutting in i mean as we see later in the game uh or very shortly in the game and then later uh, he's he just like terrifies the casetti or whoever he's playing up against there I mean of course later in his career when he moves to Real Madrid he's much much closer to the defenders all of the time it's noticeable how often he gets the ball on the halfway line and runs which was Cristiano for the first five six years of his career Uh, and then for a short time at Real Madrid and he just becomes much more of a forward and therefore scores all those goals um, in, in subsequent years
0: well, yeah, of course, I guess I guess his best ever year is the following season where he's a hybrid of the two, isn't he? He's like truly, truly the best player in the world for one year ever, I think, Ronaldo. Um, well, he might have been in 06, 07, actually. I, I don't really know. Um, but he definitely was the season afterwards, um, which is probably his only legitimate balance. No, um, maybe, no, maybe I don't think that's biased. fair. I
1: don't think that's fair. Anyway, um, he scores few minutes later just on the cusp of half time isn't it so it's three nil game's pretty much over although that makes it what four two on aggregate so not completely out of it Roma Cristiano cutting in from the right as we said firing past the keeper's left with his left no no with his right foot he sort of cuts across the ball he's he's out on the right wing drives straight for goal you think he's gonna switch it to the left and fire it in, and he just drives it straight into the near post. Uh, And he's absolutely delighted with it.
0: Yeah, a few minutes before that, he'd had a shot from 25 yards out where he'd like fainted to shoot on his right and cut back in onto his left and walloped it. And he went mental when it didn't go in. Just absolutely furious with himself. He then shoots from 40 yards from a free kick like it's completely normal. Um, There's one beautiful bit of totty magic where he just does a, a volleyed backhill past to Williamson um Michael Carrick nearly scored a header which if this game had featured a Michael Carrick hat trick which featured a header that would have made it even worse Alan Smith gets booked which led me to ask the question is there any confirmation that Alan Smith ever played 90 minutes without getting booked because I don't see how it's possible he ever made it through a game without a yellow card that that man is a walking yellow card. Um, but yeah, the Ronaldo goals, it's just, it's just a masterpiece, isn't it? Giggs is brilliant, first of all. Tackling back um, to get the ball, uh, finding it, nudging it through to Heinzer. Uh, and then Heinzer knocks it back to him and he puts in a perfectly weighted through ball. And then, yeah, the, the finish, like you say, no one's expecting it. And just bang, it's in. <laughs>
1: So that's half time. Roma just weren't that bad, really. Just going forward, look nice, talented players trying to compete in midfield, but just soft, soft, soft when their the play breaks down. And I think three of those goals come from positions fairly deep in the United half. And uh, United pressed sort of in the modern way at times when Roma had the ball in defensive situations, but it's much more they win it back in their own half. Uh, and then, and then it's the transition that Roma just can't cope with, and then some horrible defending as well. Yeah, a
0: lot of the winning the ball back, they win the ball back by tackling players rather than breaking up play with interceptions in the way that you think of modern pressing. There's a lot of, there is a lot of tackling the ball and then distributing it, um, and that, that's that was kind of noticeable. I thought, and that United's defense play I mean, seven one. Obviously, we're not going to talk that much about the defense. It is sort of the sort of fundamental difference between the two sides is that Roma's threatening players get stopped a lot and United's threatening players never get stopped. Um, I think that Roma had something like six shots blocked. United didn't have a single shot blocked in this game, which tells you something, I think,
1: about the nature. Right. And they didn't manage to block Giggsy's cross for number five. Uh, Just before
0: before the, the goal goes in... When Fergie comes comes out after half time, he's got a very serious look on his face. And you can see it's a bit quiet and he looks round and he gives it the old Fergie, come on, make some noise. Cause you can see he's he's not that he's worried exactly, but there's an element of relief in Ronaldo's celebration too. And so between Fergie G and Up the Crowd and Ronaldo's celebration, I'm pretty sure Fergie's whole half time team talk was, We have to take this seriously, we have to take this seriously, we haven't won this game yet.
1: Yeah, but they had though. But yes, he didn't want to take them, he didn't want the foot off the gas so much that Roman could get back into it. Yeah. Yeah. Which they don't. So it's only a few minutes after half time. Corner for United, clearance, not cleared (laughs) properly. It's out to Giggs, and, and Giggs hits this actually really nice, sweet first time ball low across the area, and Cristiano just slides it in. Easy, easy goal. But it's all made by the ball by Giggs, who at one stage in his career couldn't cross it and he was, you know, shanking them behind all the time after dribbling dribbling past six players. But by this time, he'd got a bit better, I think. I don't remember that.
0: I don't remember him not being able to cross at all. Like, he used to put crosses in for Eric Cantona all the time,
1: who would score. Like, so many Cantona goals are Giggs assists. It's unreal. Oh, you haven't got a back catalogue of red, issue, red issues, have you? <laughs> Moaning about Giggs every week. <laughs> no, I remember this. Yes.
0: Good old red issue in there, very accurate and not at all ridiculous take on things. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, that the, wasn't quite Giggs the point. Was, but Giggs yeah. was superb in this game.
1: Like, he he was, yeah. Brilliant. Running at players, right, left, through the middle. Uh, yeah, intelligent use of the ball. Just very dynamic presence in midfield for United. Yeah. And then... Um,
0: Ole Gunnar Solskjaer starts warming up. And I was very confused about that because eras are a complicated business, aren't they? And I do not associate either Alan Smith or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with having been in the team. But this is, of course, this is his last season, isn't it? This is... Um, and, and you know, we had the question a few weeks ago, do we conflate Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's legend status with one moment? And uh, no, he was very definitively
1: an absolutely beloved Manchester United legend by this point. He was although he'd spent all of the years between 1999 and 2007 recovering from that knee slide in Camp Nou. It's factually inaccurate. It's like it's like the Alfinger
0: Haaland story, isn't it? It was that was not he got a little injury doing that knee slide, not not the big one.
1: It's true. I mean, mythology in football is great, isn't it? Ashley Young ate the bird poo. He (laughs) ate it. I don't care how much he denies it. He can go on as many official podcasts as he likes. He ate it. And Solskjaer screwed his knee up in Camp Nou. Anyway, he starts warming up, but he's not the first sub, is he? Ever is the first sub for O'Shea or with the Spanish commentary we had to watch this on. Ossi!
0: Yes, I enjoyed that. He also described it as uh, football más fantasioso um when united were passing it ball, he basically said united had more creativity more precision more speed it was uh, i've been doing spanish on duolingo for a year and that enabled me to understand approximately 6% of the commentary which every now and again i would hear a word i know and it was like
1: very exciting good work you'll be fluent in sometime in the 2030s <laughs> yeah
0: exactly um uh that um ever substitution he looks absolutely brilliant, almost straight away. Patrice Evra does in that game. Like he puts in one brilliant tackle after an offside uh, attack. He obviously scores the the last goal of the game. Uh, kind of hilarious that we're six one up at that point, and the fullbacks are bombing forward in the last minute. Um, but he he just looks even playing on the right. He looks brilliant, doesn't he?
1: He does. Well, that's an interesting thing about this game. At no point does anyone stop going for it. Just at no point. I mean, 89 minutes in and Cristiano is still trying to score goals. He's still going at it hard. So, didn't take the foot off the gas at all. Even if the goal sort of, you know, slowed down a bit in the second half.
0: But the next goal, um, well, it was, there was the same number of goals scored in the second half as the first, of course. If you include the Roma goal. Um, no, fair
1: enough. I don't.
0: Uh, the carrot goal. Kegodazo, as the Spanish commentator absolutely correctly says. This is a much purer strike from Carrick. As I said, his 24 total goals, it's 24 is the total number of goals he scored. So that makes this just under 10% of his United goals ever. Um, 50% of his Champions League goals. He played 68 times in the Champions League, scored four goals. He scored 24 goals in 395 starts and 69 substitute appearances for United. But
1: this was the best goal
0: he ever For sure. Scored.
1: I haven't seen the other 24. Well... I mean, I'm sure I've seen them, I just don't remember yeah. them.
0: I can't think I can remember any Michael Carrick goals. There's one where he passed it into the net, but I can't remember who it was against. But I can
1: I can picture it. I'm quite my sure God. he passed Probably. all of them into the net. He almost passes <laughs> yeah. this not, one. Not this no, no, one, this is a Very, nah. very clean strike and sort of arrows into the top corner. A bit of a bit slight fade on it as he cuts slightly across the ball, but... Um it's it's Giggs and Ronaldo who are involved in the move, but you know it's, say they're involved in the move, they lay it back to him. I think it's Ronaldo that lays it back to him, and he just lashes it from between twenty five and thirty yards, just far into the top corner, keepers left, just sweet as sweet as hit as you could get.
0: Yeah. Um so there's a brilliant passing move, the Mas Fantios fantasticiosa move. Uh, which ends with a lovely Ole chip, which goes over the bar. It's a real shame, because that would have been the pick of the goals. Uh, there's a moment where the Spanish commentator said, El agresivo defensismo de Wes Brown. And I was like, yes, el agresivo defensismo de Wes Brown is my jam. Like He is a real good aggressive defender.
1: I, I was trying to look up all these players and trying to work out who from these two teams were still playing I think I think it might only be Rooney but Wes Brown only retired about a year ago
0: have you retired Cristiano Ronaldo then?
1: oh no no he's still playing <laughs> apart from Cristiano <laughs> and when Rooney I think the rest of them Wes Brown was playing in Kerala like a a, a year ago
0: mm-hmm. yeah John O'Shea's not long retired has he yeah a couple of years a couple of years mm. uh, obviously Carrick and Fletcher
1: have retired Ryan Giggs is still playing right <laughs> Probably <laughs> just with his brother's <laughs> wife. Uncalled for. Uncalled for. Oh, like, that That one's
0: fine. I don't mind that one. That one wasn't at my expense for no reason.
1: Oh, well, we can go back there if you like. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Michael Carrick banger. And then we get another banger, which is the Roma goal, which is, the, is be- so a thing good. of beauty. This is De Rossi and Totti, or Totti to de, de Rossi. And
0: uh, so. Like it's even more amazing because we just didn't give anything away all game. And maybe you could say Totti has a little bit of fractionally too much room in the build up to this. I mean, we were five nil up at that point. No, six six nil up. I've lost literally, lost count. Um, but the ball's perfect. But I think it's Rio, he's on de Rossi's where he should be. De Rossi just turns and hits it first time on the volley and it arrows into the net. I mean, that is an amazing finish. Oh, it's a great finish.
1: Like hardly centimetres worth of room to to play with and I think most strikers would try and control it and probably lay it back. Uh, He doesn't. It's just a sweet, sweet hit after a lovely pass from Totti. 69 minutes. Nice. Same as Michael Carrick's substitute appearances. And then Patrice is completely buzzing his
0: head off to score the seventh. Um like I said, I found it really quite funny that the fullbacks were still bombing forward. Um and they're just having a good time. Uh and a
1: really nice finish from Everett. Just, uh, and, Daisy yeah, Cutter um coming in off the right right wing. I, I don't remember. Any games where Patrice ever played right wing, well, on the right-hand side, but yeah, cuts in from the right and uh, hits a daisy cutter into the keeper's near pass, probably should have saved
0: it. Yeah, it was pretty well hit, and I imagine he was thoroughly depressed by that point. I thought um, on the carrot goal as well, Donny doesn't even dive, and it looked looked like, I don't know, I feel like David De
1: Gea would have saved that. What, the one that went in the top corner? Yeah, yeah, Hmm. maybe not. (laughs) <laughs> nah, maybe not, but you, you do want to keep it a dive because otherwise it, you know, it feels like they've given up.
0: Yeah, I mean, they probably had, to be fair. Roma had uh, 22 shots in this game to United's, um So eight on target, six blocked and eight off target. United took 15 shots off target and seven on target and like I said earlier, none blocked. Um, so Roma, Roma's defending it was just shocking in this game and United massively had their shooting boots. BBC News report saying there have been many memorable performances at Old Trafford down the years, but few can compare to the display Sir Alex Ferguson's men put on here. And Fergie himself saying that was a fantastic performance by every one of our players. The speed of our play and our penetration was absolutely superb. That's absolutely the best night of European football we've had here.
1: Well, fair enough. 7-1. How could you
0: complain? So the next game after this, to give it some further context on the back end was uh, a 4-1 win over Watford in the FA Cup semi-final. And then came the Champions League semi-final. I remember the first leg of that semi-final so well. After the 7-1, I think a lot of us were pretty convinced. But Milan scoring two at Old Trafford, I just vividly remember Rooney scoring the winner in that game and thinking... I don't think
1: that's going to be enough. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I do remember the away game when United. It was kind of foggy, wasn't it, or rainy, foggy, rainy? I can't remember. Um. Anyway, are you thinking of Inter in '99? That was very no, rain, foggy. Maybe I'm like, not. No, no. The, these guys wear the red and black stripes. <laughs> no. so, football hips there. Anyway, I do. Yeah, I do remember United <laughs> uh, being absolutely thumped in in the San Siro. And it it being a comprehensive defeat and, yeah, just a little... It reminded me of those so many semi-final defeats as we were trying to reach the promised land. Dortmund, Monaco, Juve, it's all beat (laughs) us. Yeah,
0: but this was to be United's last European defeat for quite some time. In fact, their last European defeat for more than two years Um, Oh, I don't know, maybe we lost the game in the group stage, but the last significant uh, European defeat. Um, We did go on to win the league. Uh, The thing I remember most about that league title running was the 4-2 against Everton, where uh, Phil Neville scored an own goal. He's playing for Everton. It just felt very like agent Phil Neville, that did, because Chelsea had failed to win that game and United were in a really bad run of form. And it was a massive, massive win, that 4-2. And I thought we'd blown it but uh but Chelsea didn't win a game after the 18th of April and we won the league but we did lose to Chelsea in a bitterly disappointing FA Cup final I remember uh so kind of like you know semi-final of the Champions League final of the FA Cup won the league this is
1: amazing things about to happen again and even more amazing the year afterwards exactly uh, we we may the, get to the you, Moscow game in this run of uh, nostalgia. I mean, I think if we're doing nostalgia until October, we probably will.
0: <laughs> yes, almost certainly. And if not, um, then at least one of the one of the games on the way to Moscow. Maybe I don't even really remember the road to Moscow off the top of my head. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, United MUTV biting our style tonight um replaying in full the the semi against juventus which i kind of almost feel like we should do as the last one of these um having done the semi against arsenal as the first we'll do we'll do that we'll do that one as the last one yeah
1: so sometime in 2021 we'll get to that one uh yeah yeah, plenty plenty of classic games to to check out so what we do next week or month Uh, sunday
0: Yeah, so I picked the first two and it only seemed fair that you picked one. This is a game that I really profoundly associate with you uh, based on a t-shirt that you wore for many, many, many years after this game. Uh, And it is the 1991 uh, Cup Winners' Cup Final. Talk about a team on the cusp of greatness. That's kind of a European performances by a team on the cusp of greatness. That's the theme of uh, the last couple. Yeah, Cup Winners'
1: Cup Final, amazing uh well, of course we're uh, no. basically getting that back again with the UEFA conference that's um uh, coming up in a couple of years time it's available to watch i uh, we
0: found it on uh, daily motion so that game seems to be up in full on the internet so if you want to watch that before uh you listen to the show that we i think we'll record it on sunday put it out on monday um and yeah so until then goes without saying but stay safe take care of yourselves take the right kind of precautions but try not to drown yourselves in fear because that won't do any good for anyone whatsoever um and backers exactly nothing to fear but fear itself and Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> yeah. and michael carrick <laughs> yeah. uh, backers stay tuned for some chat about uh streaming service recommendations uh which seems apropos at the moment everyone else uh, we'll see you on monday
1: okay bye now